Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Turn with me, if you would, to, in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Well, maybe a little above that. And, and I'm going to just start at um, verse 16 for the sake of time. Well, a little, little above that, because uh, I think it plays into... Uh, Let's start at verse, um, verse 12. But we're going to continue talking about the renewing of the mind and, and how personal is your personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ and, and all of the things that we've talked about so far uh, about the personal relationship we have. It, everything about the Word of God is just that. It's about how personal is your personal relationship. A personal, even in, in the day when, when God really was only personal with a few people at a time, like he was, he was very personal with Moses, and, and you'll see some of those things. Uh, I'm not going to get to them today because I want to continue uh, teaching on the renewing of the mind. And, um, but I want to lead off with this particular scripture here, and, and then we'll get into uh, some other scriptures. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what we have come to realize is that, and are coming to realize, is that Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Holy Spirit, are one. And the Father are one. The Holy Spirit, however, has the responsibility in this particular dispensation to teach us and to show us uh, Christ show us so that we are transformed and made into his image and into his likeness. So all of us have, as it were, Jesus with us or Christ, the anointed one with us all the time to teach us, to guide us into all the affairs of our life. In every single area of our life, we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus literally living with us, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ living with us to teach us all things to guide us into all truth, to be our personal day-to-day -day counselor in every affair, every aspect of our lives. 
And so the question should be asked, then, how come I'm not experiencing him? How come I'm not seeing him? How come there's not a purity in my seeing him? Now, let's go back to the scriptures again. And it says, nevertheless, when one, tur when one turns to the Lord, how many have turned to the Lord? If you have turned to the Lord, listen to the, last, the second scripture. He says, the veil has been taken away. It says, now, when, when one turns to the Lord, the veil has been taken away. The, the thing that keeps us from seeing him has been taken away. So if we're not seeing him, we need to ask a question, why? If I'm not experiencing him, if, I, there, if there's not something that gives me, like, I can see him and I can know him, I can hear him, I can, he's showing me the directions to go, then there's got to be something that is, that is covering us from seeing who he really is. One of the things that keeps us from seeing him who, for who he really is, is, is religion. Re religion masks God. Religion keeps us, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we do it. This is our faith. This is what um, Calvinism is. This is what it means to be Lutheran. This is what it means to be uh, Presbyterian. This is what it means to be uh, a Calvinist. This is what it means to be all of these things that have very little to do with the personage of Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with them. They're doctrines. But when doctrine gets in the way of knowing him, you know, sometimes people ask me, are you a, uh, are you, uh, a Calvinist? Are you uh, in the camp of the West? I don't like it. First of all, I know a little bit about it now, but I didn't before because all I knew, I met him. And, and I'm developing my relationship on him. Sometimes people say, what are you? You charismatic? I don't want to be called anything but a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. Because as soon as you say, you know, well, you, you're charismatic, they're like, oh. Oh, you're one of those. I'm like, what is, what is one of those? What, what, what is a one of those? And so I, I'm reluctant when people to ask me, well, what are you? Well, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I have the anointed one. He teaches me things. And it's not wrapped up in a whole lot of, well, what are you? And, and, and what thought did that come from? And, and who was that? Someone started this. No, it's, it's, it's our opportunity to know him, to know him, to know Jesus, to know the Christ. So he says, when we turn to Jesus, it doesn't say that, that we enter into denominationalism. It says the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. The, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And what brings forth liberty is the clarity in which we see him. Did you hear me? What brings forth liberty is the clarity in which we see him. When we can see it, it brings forth liberty. How many of you understand what I'm talking about here? How many of you ever been driving down a highway and there's a fog, a, a tremendous heavy fog going on? Like when you come up Old Fort Mountain sometimes, if you've ever been there at the top of the mountain, there's a, there's a fog 
there's a heavy fog that comes in, and it doesn't clear until you go over Ridgecrest and down into the Valley of Black Mountain. And as soon as you pass it, liberty comes. I mean, seriously, liberty comes. You, you speed up a little bit. You've been going 45, and you get beyond that fog bank, and you, you get 65 real quick. Liberty, freedom, flexibility, all of those things come by way of sight, vision. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the veil has been lifted off, there comes liberty. There comes faith. Uh, let me just put in an advertisement right here. Um, we went to see Harriet uh, last night or yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And, and I'm going to tell you, you talk about a movie that talks about walking by faith, being led by the Spirit, and was, and was good, clean. You didn't, you didn't leave there feeling like, ugh, like they didn't show some things that you don't need not see. But it was a good movie. I recommend Harriet because it is so God-honoring, Spirit of God-honoring. Here's a woman who didn't know how to read, didn't know anything about any doctrines or anything, but she was led by the Spirit. She was led by the Spirit, and she moved some 70 people to freedom just listening to the Spirit of God. But you want me, oh, I th he wants me to go left. Oh, we need not go this way. We need to go across the river. All of those things were things, that's how God wants to be connected to our lives in every aspect of our life to tell us. You know, sometimes you, you may think this is, this is very simplistic, but, you know, there may be, a, there may be a, an accident on the street that you normally travel to work. And if you're attentive to the Spirit of God, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, hmm, I don't know why, but have you go a different direction. Right. Especially in regard to relationships. You know, sometimes we need to take a left from some relationships. Sometimes we need to go around some relationships. Or sometimes we need to form some relationships. Sometimes I'll just have a sense that I need to go a little deeper with this relationship. Like someone, I just, I just sense the Spirit of God on this relationship. You know, we have a, we have a small group that meets on Thursday mornings, and we, we've met for, I've shared it with you, we've met for over a decade now. Uh, not every, not all the same pieces of, of people, but pretty much the core has been there for over a decade, I would say. And, you know, as I was led by the Spirit of God, the ones that I have invited there, they were all by invitation. As i like, you know what, I, I, sense, that, I sense that they should be in this group. I, I sense it. Not, not, not because they had some lingering or some issues or anything like that. I don't even know. I'm just, I'm just led by this. I'm just, I've, you know, that, 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 that's, I have a divine connection there. I, I just sense that they're supposed to be in this group with, with us. And, and I'll be honest, I believe that's why our group has been able to sustain itself for some time is because for the most part it's been spirit-led. And, and, and we, we've, uh, in this, this particular uh, group of ours, uh, we've been in a book now for going on for, what, a year and a half? Two years. Two years. Because we get, we get going and, and, and we let the Spirit of God just kind of lead us in some directions. And we have some very good discussions that I think are life-changing simply because we say, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to also 
allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what makes relationships work. So today I want to talk about, um, now, now let me just show, show you this right quick, because this just kind of came to me as an illustration. I, I brought this out. This is what I normally clean my iPad with, but it, it serves as, a, as an invitation, I mean as a, as a way. Now if you look back on Moses, and I was going to share these scriptures, but I'm going to hold off on them right now. Everything Moses did, he did by divine revelation. I mean, everything is, is as though God spoke to him in regards to every single thing. If you look through the book of Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and all of it is a, a conversation between God and Moses. And God telling Moses, here's how I want you to do everything in, in detail. Here's how I want the curtain to be. This is the way I want the, the ark to be. And this is how I want, and then, and then, and on and on and on. He was giving them all of these, these uh, messages. But when it came to, to fighting and battle, same thing. He showed them how to fight. So, so right here, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. So here, here's what it looks like. Like I, I'm looking through the veil right now. And I can, I can see, I, I can barely, I, matter of fact, I can't even see. I'm, I'm trying to get over, I'm, I'm trying to, I cannot, if, if the lighting is just, let me see if I can kind of make him, I can't see him. Because it's so dark, I cannot see him. Now, if I go a little bit, just slightly over here, let's see if I can, uh, I'm trying to make out what, color suit he has on and I can't. I can see a vague image of him but I can't really make him out. I turn just a little bit going this way. I can just barely see Greg. I know he's got on a, like a make a checkered shirt on and maybe a tan coat but I really can't see him. I can't see his eyes. I can't see if he's smiling. Smile Greg. I still can't see him smiling. See, see this is how we are with God. And this is what religion does to us. It, it doesn't give us any confidence of what, what God is looking like. It doesn't give us confidence in his presence. Is he smiling? Is he, is he, is he upset? What's he doing? Is he, what, what's his di direction? Um, uh, uh, Greg, give me, um, show me a number with your, with your hands. I think it's three. That is three. But I have no confidence in that. I have no real confidence that that's three. Now, I may guess at it, and that's what most of us are doing in our walk with God. We're just kind of guessing. I think that's three. I think that's right. But we're not confident. So when, when challenges come because we have no confidence in what we've seen, we bail out. We don't go forward. Put them up again, Greg. With unveiled faces... Three, three, I'm confident. This is what God has said, three. And everything is predicated on that, that I see that clearly and be able to declare it. So many times what our faith is, and the reason our faith many times is not working, because faith is a declaration of what God has said, what we have heard God say. So if I'm looking at him, put up another number. 
Um, maybe four, maybe four, possibly four. Four. Okay, but, but what kind of confidence is that going to give me going forward? I, I, I think he said this. I, I think he said I was well. I, I think he said that he's going to take care of all my needs. I think he said, but not with clarity. Not with any sense of, of confidence that that's what he said. God said this. God said this. So, so when things come along, they, they, we get scared away from them because we can't really say it for certain that that's what we've seen. So let's look at some things here so that we can, we can nail this thing. How many of you really want to know God? How many of you really want to see change in your life? So, so let, let, me, let me just, before we even get into this a little bit, um, can I tell you another golf story? Because it just plays into this. So, so, so I'm really thinking about, matter of fact, we, we played the other day. And, and you know what I, I, I did? I went back and, and I, I started thinking about each hole and, what I, and the way I should play the hole. This is, this is in my bed. This is while I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about the, the, the next time I play, I'm thinking about what, how I should play this hole. What, what, what I, and I'm learning. And, and so there's some things that we're going to learn today that will help us to understand how we change. How we change so that we truly do change. Um, uh, Edwin Cole said this. He said, change is not change until it's changed. Change is not change until it's changed. So sometimes we start out and say, I'm going to change. And it's a good thought. And it's really needed. But we look back a year from now and we're still the same way. We still have some of the same, some toxic attitudes and thoughts and darkness because we never got to a place of real change. But I believe there's a way that we can get to real change. I believe there's a way, and I believe that God wants that for us, is real change. Otherwise, this is all that Christianity will ever be to us. is a veil. Where we really don't see anything, we don't get excited about anything, because I can't get excited about mere images can't get excited about something I really can't see I can't form it but when we begin to see the veil just move down just a little Brother Keith do something back there I can't see him I can't see him do anything did you do something? What'd you do? Wave at me now. Now I can wave back at him. <laughs> and God wants that. He wants that. Listen to me. God, when we get to the point where you're driving down the road and God says, I love you, son, and you're just, oh, I'm undone. God spoke to me. The greatest thing ever in man's life is to hear God's voice. 
That's the, the most wonderful thing in the world is to hear the voice of God. And there's a way for us to hear his voice. I'm not talking about audible necessarily. If that happens, that's just cherry on top of the cake. So let's look at a few things this morning. How do we, how do we ensure that because we have turned to God that the veil doesn't keep us unbelief, whatever, doesn't keep us from seeing and hearing him well. So, turn, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. There's three things we're going to talk about this morning. Three ways in which we can keep the veil down or remove anything that's hindering us from seeing clear because we know we're supposed to see clear. We know we're supposed to be experiencing God. So three things. Number one, if you do these three things, now it's going to require working, working out your own salvation is this. Number one, continued meditation and reflection. Continued meditation and reflection. We, we, we've been, our, our society today is just way too loud. It's just loud. Even when it's quiet, it's loud. Because there's so many things that are going on that are vying for our attention all the time. You know, noise, television, uh, media, social media, whatever. It's always going off, the bells and things. You know, how many of you have ever been reading the Bible and you hear, ding, 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 ding? Your, a text message comes in. Was that a yes or uh, that was just scratching? <laughs> so how many of you have been, have been listening to God and a text comes in and you are diverted from that and you focus in on this? Here, here's, here's what we know now. You know, how many of you would call yourself a multitasker? Multitasker. Here's what we have found out about multitasking. Is that, is that no one really multitasks that well. That's what we found out. Now, by, by virtue of, of things getting done, some people do it. My wife is a far better multitasker than I am. She, she can do multiple things. But if you want to make real change, it requires single attention. So that's not to put down multitasking, but you can study it out for yourself. Study it. Go and check it out for yourself. Multitasking is not as effective as single attention. That's why I get a little further ahead than my wife. Not really. But it is. It's the truth. If there's going to be significant change in our lives, there has to be a single focus. So, Joshua chapter 1. Number 1. Number 1, meditate. Reflect. Number 1, meditate and reflect. If, you're, if we're not doing that, you can forget about ever changing. Ever. It says, verse, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the part there, it says, it says meditate. And that word meditate means to mutter, ponder, think deeply into, mutter, meditate upon it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. They say that if, you, if, we will, if we'll give 15 minutes a day to deep thought to one single thing, we'll change. That change will take place in our lives. If we do that and these other two things I'm going to tell you in just a minute. So deep thought. Now, now you may think 15 minutes, I can do that. Try it. You're probably going to do three minutes and say, oh, boy, just rolling it around for three minutes, man, that was tough. But if, you, if, you, if we will begin to take the word of God and literally mutter it, meditate on it, think deeply about it, Go over it and over it and over it and over it. I'm talking about people who want to change. I'm not talking about people who want to be religious. I'm talking about people who want to see change in their lives. I'm not talking about people who just want to go to church on Sunday morning and, and get a good message. I'm talking about people who literally want to see change in their lives. I'm not talking about people who are good with, you know, that God knows who I am. Yes, he does know who you are. And he also knows how he's made you. So it's not good to, to use that excuse. He, he knows me. Yes, he knows you. And yeah, you will go to heaven, but you'll live like hell on earth without change, without meditating, without taking God's word. And don't be so caught up in volume. Be caught up in quality. Well, I read through the Bible last year. Well, good. How much of the Bible read you? How much of the Bible did you get down on the inside of you? You know? How, how much of it are you remembering today? You, you, you listen to the news all year long too, 365 days a year. How much of that? How much of that have you obtained? How much of that have you kept? There's a lot of things we do 365 days a year. But how much is changing our lives? <laughs> listen to me. And again, I'm, I'm using this only for illustration's sake. Only for illustration's sake. I want my golf game to change. I want it to change. And so around the house now, I'm doing little things to help change my golf game. And my wife will tell you, I got a golf club beside my, near my bed. I, I use the wall. I'm doing little little. Uh, Things with, twisting my body and stuff. And I'm, sometimes I'm in the shower twisting. Now, now, the change is coming in small measures, very small measures. But, but I, I, and I'm not, I'm, this is, I'm using this as an example, all right? This, it's just kind of, but did I not drive the ball pretty decently last, on, on, uh, the last time we played? Especially number six. That's right. That's, that's to say, but the other 17, 
That's all I needed, though. All I <laughs> yes, par, par six. Got there, got there in two. Well, two and a half. In other words, my first shot, no, I got there in three on the par six. Three. So my first one was blasted. Second one, blasted. Third one, blasted. And I just didn't get it on the green. <laughs> but but you, you may, I say that, that's, that's, that's small change, but it came through much practice. Not on the course, but just, just every day thinking about it. Okay, how do I get my hips around so that I get more golf speed you know, I mean, uh, on my swing? And, and sure enough, it started paying dividends. Paying dividends because... I've been working it out. Well, you'll see that, that because of thinking about it, and this is what we're talking about now, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, things begin to happen. Let me tell you what happens in your mind when this happens. I, I got this from a, 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 a neuroscientist um, named Caroline Leafman. Some of you have heard of her, I'm sure. Um, but listen to this. It says... If we continue to think of a certain thing for quite some time, the process of that thought becomes a usual happening in the brain. Did y'all hear that? Do I need to say that again? And she would say this. Caroline Lee, she's a believer. She's a Christian. She says, she says science only confirms the word. It doesn't determine the word. It confirms what the word has already said. So we're getting science. We just don't know it. Science, and we need not go and have to study science to determine the truth. No, that's, let somebody else do that, and we just gather the information. The Word of God is all the science we really need many times, unless we're trying to confirm. Science confirms. It can't, if God be true, then science will confirm what the Word of God says. And so what she's saying here is that when, when we think on something long enough, it affects the structure of the brain. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Listen, how many of you have um, Miss, Miss Susan? Where are you at, Miss Susan? Miss Susan. Miss Susan, she's been tending to our front. Our, our, uh, I don't know if you've got, you, you, you got a veil over your eyes if you haven't noticed what she's been doing out front. Well, it didn't, we didn't just sow the, the, the flowers and all of a sudden they just come up. She comes over here and labors, doesn't she, Mr. Lee? Mr. Lee. She. <laughs> Mr. Lee about, about let us down on this example. <laughs> he was like. <laughs> but she comes over here and she tends to the, 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 the um, flowers. Well, her tending to the flowers causes them to grow. They didn't just happen. Change didn't just happen. And if it was up to George Logan, it would still be barren out there. <laughs> well, because she's attentive to that, and through much work, she does, what you call it, master gardening? She goes to master gardening classes. You know, like wherever she lives, she goes to a master gardening class. Isn't that right? So that she can understand 
the, the, the ground there and how, what grows best and, and all of that. Well, guess what? This is our garden. And many times we don't take care of it very well. But we are expecting flowers to come. We're expecting there to be just all this, oh, it's just going to work. What's going to make it work? Are you out there working the garden? Are you making it work? Are you doing the work? Are you tilling it up? Are you putting in the right kind of soil to make it work right? What are you doing with the garden of your mind? To cause life to come so it'll be beautiful, there'll be change. So the very first thing we need to do is we need to begin to meditate. Slow down. Slow down. Take some time in the morning and think about one scripture that you're saying, I've identified this as an area where I need to change. I need to change in this area. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, along with my regular reading, along with my devotional, I'm coming back to this and I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to roll it over and over and, and think about it 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 and roll it over and roll it over. Meditate on it. Another scripture, Philippians chapter 4. Look at this right quick. Philippians 4. It says, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Meditate. Discipline ourselves. Cut off something and turn something else on. Turn off the stuff that, that you feel, man, I'll, when I watch that or when I'm looking at that or when I talk to that kind of person, I always come back just feeling a little yucky. Just a little not so good. Well, turn it off. Don't hang around with them. And learn how to begin to quiet your world down so as to be able to meditate and reflect upon, to think deeply about. Number two, did you get something? Well, let me, let me go over a few more statements here. If you continue to think of a certain thing for quite some time, the process of that thought becomes a usual happening in the brain. The unconscious mind makes a habit out of a thought and starts controlling the associated actions. Meditation gets it down into the unconscious. Also, it digs up the unconscious. So some of the work we have to do before the, before the, the, the seeds can be sown, there's a requirement that the ground needs to be prepared. Am I right? And I didn't even take a master gardening class. <laughs> but you have to prepare the ground, don't you? You have, you have to do a little bit of work so that it can be. And so... So anyone that, that knows this, you know, the, the, the spiritual world, the, the, uh, the world that we see, the natural world, is but a mere reflection of the spiritual world. So the principles that we find in the natural world can be applied to the spiritual world, even though the spiritual world is far more real than the natural. Why do I say that? Because the spiritual world is unchanging. The natural world is temporal. 
Okay? So when we look at this again, it says this. The unconscious, which is, is the, the, the seeds up under the ground. We'll put it that way. The unconscious mind, that, that spirit of the mind, we'll say, the spirit of the mind makes a habit out of a thought and starts controlling the associated actions. Remember what we saw? It says to be what? Be renewed in the what? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? It says be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in the spirit of your mind, in your unconscious mind, be renewed. Well, how do you do that? Through meditation. You begin to renew the spirit of your mind. But you kind of got to know what's, what kind of seeds are there, don't you? You got to kind of know what's been sown there. What is, what's my unconscious world look like? Are y'all with me? We need to be able to take an inventory of things and be honest with ourselves. What is that controlling factor of my life that every time I see that person, I want to do something? I just want to, if I could, I, I, that's why God says, Jesus says, if you have, if you, if you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. Why? Because that's an unconscious thought. The only thing that's keeping us from doing it is, is opportunity and punishment. Are y'all with me? Because he says that if you would do it if you could, he talked about adultery, didn't he? He said adultery. He says adultery is not just the person who goes out and commits the act of adultery. Adultery can be in our hearts, in that unconscious space in our heart. Unfaithfulness in our hearts. That's unconscious. If I could get away with it, then I would do it. That's, that's an unconscious. Well, he says, Jesus said he came to make every crooked place straight. He came to deal with the unconscious thoughts of man. Those things that just kind of reflexively, they just reflexively come in. Well, when we begin to take inventory of them, there's one thing we get set free if we're really in bondage to it, meaning that we're under the control of it really, really bad, then we first need to be delivered from it, from the spirit of it, because it's been around there for a long time. And then after we get delivered, we need to start the renewing of the mind. Are y'all with me this morning? If you're here, say amen. Amen. I know this is not a hoop hollering and shouting kind, but, but, but most, most classes are not. Not the kind that you learn in, right? Now, if we want a pep rally, we can go to a pep rally, can we not? But you know, they have pep rally after classes, right? They have pep rally not as a part of class. They have pep rally as an after thing. Like, we're going to have a special pep rally today, and we're going to conclude classes to have the pep rally. The pep rally is not the class. Sometimes all we want to come into is a pep rally, all day long, every day pep rally. Well, you're never going to grow that way. You're never going to be what God wants you to be that way. You're never going to have what God wants you to have if you're simply just going to an emotional rally so that you can get your sweet pill of emotion and live the next 365 days in bondage. Say no show. It's not a production. 
not a ticketed affair where people can come in and just get their... No, this is, we're dealing with lives here. We're dealing with the conditions of our mind here. Listen to a few more things here. And now, now let me just say this. While you're here, you know, you would do us a great favor that if that is all you're here for, uh, we could get a better census as to who's going to war. We can find out who, who's, who's on the Lord's side. You know, Gideon, when he went out to battle, the Bible, said, the Bible says that God asked him to, to begin to reduce his soldiers down. Did he not? And he took them to a stream one day, and he, he looked down, and he said, everyone who laps like a dog, got his head down in the water, he said, let them stay. But that one who picks up the water in his hand and looks out like this. We'll go to war with them. We're talking about people who won't change in their lives. We don't mind you being here. Don't, don't get me wrong. We, we're grateful that you're here. But you should, you, should, you should have enough integrity to not be anywhere where you're not benefiting. Man. Man, I could be playing golf today. No, really, I'm serious. If, if I were not benefiting from this, I had too much integrity to stick around somewhere with the word of God when I'm not changing, when I'm not willing to change. Now, I don't know why y'all got me off on this, but you did. All right, let's see if we can close this thing out, okay? I thought I was going to get just a tad bit further today, but I, but I don't think I am. Let me, let me just say a few, few more things and then one more thought, and then we'll, we'll close this thing out. We'll give you two thoughts, and then you have to come back for the third one. The mechanism of reflection basically requires an individual to think about whatever it is they are thinking, doing, or feeling, and come out on the other end with a positive view of the situation. That's so good. I think I'll read it again. Listen to this. Can I, can I read it one more time? The mechanism of reflections basically require an individual to think about whatever they are thinking, doing, or feeling, and come out on the other end with a positive view of the situation. So that means, how many of us truly have an inventory of our thought life? How many of us truly have an inventory and ask the question of ourselves, why did I just think that? Why did I just, what, what prompted that thought? Because how are you going to curtail a thought? How are you going to bring every thought into subjection and into the obedience of the word if we have no idea who's coming in and who's not? Or who's already there? The very beginning of inventory, how many have ever been an inventory clerk? Done any inventory work? What do you have to do before you do anything else? You, you got to recycle, you got to recycle, keep stuff. But what's the very first thing, at least in my mind, that you'd have to do? What? You got to count what you already have, right? Because you don't know what else you, what's coming in unless you know what you've already got, right? You got to count. So we've, we have to do the same thing. If we're going to do change in our lives, then we're going to have to have an inventory of our thoughts and say, 
legit, illegit. Legit, illegit. Legit, illegit. And, and, and for most of us, most of the thoughts are probably going to be illegitimate. If they're not, if you've not been in the word for any time and not been doing the word for any time, then most of the thoughts are probably going to be borderline, hmm, like I need to change that. And then being very honest with ourselves about those kinds of thoughts. How do we get them? Where did they come from? Can, 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 I, can, I, can, can I count on or, or have I got a, a kind of um, flowery look at maybe my own heritage, my, where, the, the surroundings I grew up in? Did I, did I get a good download of thoughts? And so when we take inventory of our thoughts, when we take inventory of them, then we know, okay, this one, this one needs to go. And I need to replace it with another one. That's why the Bible says when we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, the word of God will cause us to begin to reflect on all the other thoughts that we have that are not of God. But there's got to be, the, the word calculates all the, the thoughts that are, are, are right and the ones that are not. All right? The one, one, one more thing and two more things. It says, <clears throat> so a great way to ensure change is to keep on rethinking about the new and new form of thought. So just keep rethinking about it, rethinking about it, think about it, think about it. And then the next one, number two, number one is what? Meditate and reflect. Number two is write it down. Write it down. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. The last thing, the second thing that we want you to do, to begin to do, to, if you're really interested in change, is begin to write down your thoughts. Write down the new thoughts. Write down what God has to say. Listen to me. Your mind never cuts off. It never stops. It never, when you go to bed, your mind is still working. And if you go to bed with, with, uh, with uh, uh, some very bad thoughts, your mind is just going to all through the night sort it. All through the night, give it legs and arms. That's why it's not good. That's why the Bible tells us, even in relationship, don't go to, let, don't go to bed angry. Because it, those thoughts don't ever stop. So, re, write it down. Write down some of the thoughts. You know, I was journaling yesterday morning, and I, and I journaled some things concerning some thoughts that I didn't like, that, that I need to uproot. I'm aware of them. I'm a conscious of them, and I know how to get rid of them. I know how to replace them. But I wrote it down, just very simple notes. Because I, I, I'm, I want to change. I want to change, but I also have to do the work necessary for change to take place. So just as I would think about how to make the next shot on the golf course, and think about, you know, how the stroke is, and, 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 
And one, one guy told me the other day, actually it was Gary's brother. I was on the driving range. And, and you know, Jesus was a great teacher, right? And, and, and Jesus spoke to them in words that they could understand because he said hearing they cannot hear. And, and understanding they don't understand unless you break it down to them in terms that they can fully get it. So, so I'm just using the master's teaching here. And so he told me this. Uh, Gary's brother told me, he said, he said, when you go to the driving range, he said, he said um, write down the things that you need to work on. And I'm getting real serious now. So I just want to share with you what I need to work on. Just as an example, listen to this. I got it under here, golf notes. I'm getting it pretty bad. Y'all can see it too. But this is how change happens. Bring hips around. So, now, why, why am I doing this? Is be, and this is our life in general. Because I want to change it. If, if I don't, I forget it. And that's what's been happening because there's so much space in between the next time I play, I forget. So when I go out, I'll, I'll bring hips around. Stay connected. You know, that means don't have your arms way out here and all around. Stay connected. Turn through the shot. They know it. They tell me sometimes, man, you can put your hands down now. <laughs> Keep your driver low through the shot. That means you don't come down sharp. Look at the back of the ball. Shift weight forward and make sure you're square. <laughs> now, I say all that to say this. Thank you for welcoming being in my world. I say that that we have to do that in every aspect of our lives. If you've got fear in your life, you drive off that fear by doing just what I talked about today, meditating on the Word of God. Write down, write down some areas where fear has taken over your life and what you're going to do about it. Because the last one we'll get to next week is the only way this becomes a reality is you must be a doer of the very things we just talked about. Otherwise, it's all in vain. And you just practice. You don't get upset with yourself. You don't get, if you missed a shot, so what? It's okay. You just go back and you do it again. And eventually, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna be hitting, you're going to par everything, and maybe even sometimes birdie. Some of y'all are like, yeah, well, you're just hitting this golf thing too much. I think you're getting the point, though. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.